What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain so this is Paul Selig's third visit to the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And if you've listened to any of the last two, you get an idea what he's about. But for those of you who are listening for the first time, let me just explain it. He is a channel. Now, what the fuck does that mean? It's something that I'm inherently skeptical of. And what it means is, is that he's tapping into a higher source of wisdom. That source of wisdom he calls the guides. Now, it's not something that I would expect you to just accept, you can be skeptical. And I was skeptical, but when I listened to his words and I listened to the things that are coming through them, they are absolutely impeccable. And not only that, he has become a good friend, he's a humble guy, he's a great guy. So I really enjoyed this podcast because our relationship as friends and himself, as just someone aware of the process, as well, of course, as the wisdom of the guides are coming through. Now, I have a night in New York coming up on August 18th that you can go visit myself and Paul and watch the guides work through them. It's really amazing to be in the room when this process is happening. So if you're interested in that, check out Paul and Aubrey.eventbrite.com and check out the event in New York. And he also has a new book, which I'm incredibly honored to have provided the foreword for, called Beyond the Known. And Beyond the Known is available everywhere. I recommend you get it in the text so you can actually look at the work and take some notes or highlights and then of course also the audible because listening to the words come through it just has a different effect it's one of those things that i like having on in the background to help lift my octave to use paul's language or help me access that higher part of my own consciousness so this is an incredible podcast i can't wait to share it with you guys and hopefully see some of you in new york and talk to you about his upcoming book paul how are you doing, brother? I'm good, Aubrey. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm actually, I can legitimately say I'm doing good. That's uh -huh. not just my, my euphemism for actually how I'm doing, which is t largely tumultuous, sometimes good, sometimes mm -hmm. not. But mm -hmm. now, like, I'm really feeling that. Uh -huh. I'm really feeling like I'm doing good. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, I think your book, Beyond the Known, mm -hmm. hit me at a point that was really where I was transitioning, making a big part of that transition. And I was in like the rocky part of that river, uh -huh. like the rapids initially, mm -hmm. when you start to leave the known, leave yeah. every, all the constructs that your ego has built, mm -hmm. everything that has come up in your life that you thought was solid, that you knew what you were aiming towards, you knew what you were doing, all the things that you knew, mm -hmm. and then you step out into the known, 
and you don't really know how to navigate the canoe and the rapids are hard and there's uh -huh. rocks and there's sirens calling you from one side and there's whirlpools on the other side. I mean, I think that's like the summation of my last year. And I, so I kept getting smashed on the rocks and swimming back, gulping water back to the shores of the known. But now I feel like I've hit like a nice little eddy in the middle there. Mm -hmm. Definitely not over on the other side beyond the known, but I'm like yeah. somewhere in the unknown and it mm -hmm. feels actually pretty good. I feel like I got my sea legs. I'm glad I'm, I'm working on getting my own, you know, it's been <laughs> yeah. a similar passage with this stuff, truthfully, you know, yeah. it's not easy to, to let go of the ideas of who we are and who we're supposed to be and what the world's supposed to look like based on the identity that we've fostered, you know, or been taught to aspire to. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of trippy, you know, without that. And, you know, when the guides I work with, you know, come through and they talk about this, they actually talk about you know, at times it's like being in a ship in a storm and you really can't steer it. You know, you have to trust at a certain point that if you just sort of strap yourself to the mast, you're going to be brought forth, you know, on the new shore. And the new shore, if I'm understanding it, really is beyond the known. It's yeah. beyond who we thought we were and also beyond the limitations that we've utilized to define ourselves and, and, and everyone else for that matter. The ego, the moment you tell the ego, don't steer. The ego's like, fuck you. Yeah. I've been steering my whole life and we've got us this far. Like, leave me in charge. I am the captain of all captains. Call me Ahab mm -hmm. and I'll slay the Moby Dick of your life. Like, that's what the ego wants to yeah. believe. So that surrender to, no, I, I have faith that mm -hmm. where I'm going is where I'm supposed to go. And through whatever trials and passages, it's all coming through that that letting go is actually the transposition of your higher self in that position of purview over the whole self mm -hmm. which is something the ego doesn't really like not at all <laughs> no. you know? and you're using you know the language of the guides they talk about transposing reality they talk about this world this sort of collective agreement we have to identity and and a shared construct of reality is as an octave that we share and they talk about lifting beyond that as transposing the music of who we are and how we perceive reality because they say you know reality itself is is all source in vibration you know mm -hmm. nothing can be outside of that and sort of lifting things to the higher to the new music seems to be the passage, but it hasn't happened for me without a struggle. And I can't say that I've arrived yet either. You know, one of the first things that I ever heard when I was opening up as a channel, which was in my early 30s, and I was struggling, I'm 99% sure that I heard this in channel because I wrote it down because I didn't understand it. And I heard freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king. And I thought, what the, does that mean? And really what it means is who sits in the throne, who sits in who sits in the driver's seat, you know, is it the small self, you know, off with their heads and I want the world to be the way I say the world should be, or is it what the guides call the true self, the aspect of the self who knows, you know, who is perhaps realized, who knows who he or she or it is beyond the construct of identity that we've used to sort of negotiate this shared reality and i think that you know the ego is still present but i i think the idea is is that it perhaps isn't ruling the kingdom you right. know and the kingdom the guides talk about you know is is the realization of the divine in all things seeing the divine in everything right know? 
And I, I think that metaphor of the song and the octaves is such a powerful one because mm-hmm. you imagine the ego as a part of yourself mm-hmm. and the ego will play its kazoo or whatever mm-hmm. limited instrument it has to try and make that part of the symphony, but it'll make it dominant and it'll be discordant with the unified being, mm-hmm. which goes all the way back to the unified source of all things. Like yeah. part of our note, part of our song you know, when the guides say, we sing your song for you until you remember the words, like part of that song contains the song, that note of God, which is all things and yeah. all the differentiation of all things. It includes your ego's note as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But you got to get back to, I think, what you call the monad song, yeah. that piece of the divine that we carry. Like that's part of our song. And that needs to be in harmony with the ego song, with the mm-hmm. personality song, with the body's yeah. song mm-hmm. as well. So when we're actually singing our song, it's everything singing. And it's not just bypassing yeah. to purely sing this note of God. Like, well, we, that's not what we're here to do. We're here mm-hmm. to play the unified note of the self, which contains the note of God. Yeah. But it's all, it's all, it's all part of our differentiation, and that's part, mm-hmm. of the, that's part of the game. Well, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're speaking to something important, which is that it's all aspects of the self that are lifted. You know, we, we come into sort of a cultural inheritance of some idea that if there is a God, it's something up there and outside of ourselves and we're stuck here in the mud. And the guides, you know, began to say a while ago, well, you know, God is the mud too. You can't exclude it. You can't include any, you can't exclude anything. And then they started talking about form, which was really challenging for me because I've had issues with form my whole life. And they say, you know, God is you know, the skin and the eyes and the breath and everything that you see and experience. And if you exclude the being that you are at the physical level from the equation of the divine as an expression of the divine, you actually end up denying all of physical reality. Yeah, You can't have them both ways. So what the guides are actually teaching, I suspect, is is the lifting of all of these aspects of self to what they call the upper room, which is a higher mind, the next octave up. And it's a level of vibration and frequency that's actually pretty palpable. You know, once you begin to experience it, it's another way of being expressed or sung in the world. And they say that at that level of alignment, you're actually calling everything to you that exists in like vibrational accord. Mm. So that's the kingdom. You see, the self that knows who the self is, the true self, they say, that eternal piece of the self that you were speaking to knows itself through all other things. So finally, it's a teaching of embodiment yeah. and the embodiment of form, which also sort of claims the, the form of all things in, in direct accord. This idea that God judges, only, ju- only God can judge me. Wasn't that a Tupac song? Like, only God can judge me now or like whatever. It's in mm-hmm. a lot of, it's a, it's a saying. It's, like, it's around there. God's the last thing that's judging anything because what is it judging? It's all God, right? Yeah, so this exactly. idea that, and, but we we have that idea because that's a very human characteristic, judgment. Mm-hmm. So we'll judge an aspect of our stuff. Oh, maybe it's our sexuality we want to mm-hmm. judge. Maybe it's our sexual proclivities, who we're attracted to, how we like it, or what we want to, you know, mm-hmm. what we want to express. Or maybe it's just that we don't think that our bowel movements are God either. And I think mm-hmm. you have a really cool passage in there where, yeah, it's the skin, the eyes, the hair. It's also the feces. Yeah. Like God is all of the things. Like yeah. the minute you start saying, this is God, this is divine, this is holy, this is not holy, then you're actually out of truth. And if you're out mm-hmm. of truth, then you're not actually 
in accord with God at all because yeah. God and truth God in truth are unified mm-hmm. in that certain way. So it's that's one of the other challenging things because we have so many judgments. Yeah. Judgments are just what we're doing on a day-to-day, mm-hmm. moment-to-moment basis, judging our life, judging what's happened, judging this part of ourselves. This part is good. This part is bad. This yeah. part is... And it's just recognizing, no, it's all yeah. God, and we can lift it all mm-hmm. by the way that we look at it. Well, you nailed it. You see, the guides say, you know, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And they say you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. And I suspect they would probably say, or anything other than that. You know, in the new book, you know, they talk about lifting things to the upper room. And the upper room is this higher octave. But they say you can't lift the evil man to the upper room because by claiming him as evil, you've denied the divinity in him and you've put yourself at that level of vibrational accord. So there's kind of a level of deconstruction. You know, I mean, that has to happen in order for this to to begin. You know, they say, you know, the diamond and the lump of coal are, are actually equal. We're the ones that give meaning and value to the diamond and mm. we make it better, you know. So everything, you know, they say that has language attached to it actually carries all the history of that language and the meaning of that language. And there's a bit of a deconstruction, I suspect, which is you have to look at the man that you would call evil and then realize the inherent divine that must be there beyond what you would accuse him of, claim him as, decide for him about. And I suspect good or bad, you have to bring it down to the essential value that is the divine that must be present. You see, if the divine isn't present in the man, it can't be present anywhere else. In yourself, even. Exactly. So if I deny the divine in myself, which I have a much easier time doing, (laughs) mostly, than denying it in other people, um, you know, I'm shutting myself off and I'm claiming separation. And the guides are teaching about moving beyond separation. That really is what it is. I mean, they, you know, we have opportunity through our ideas of who we are, you know, it helps if I want to go to the doctor to know that that guy's a doctor and that's what he calls himself. You know, the labels can be useful at a certain level, but when you move beyond that, you move into a higher realization of, of the expression of God as all things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's something that, you know, Ted writes about in his books, some of the old teachings of Jesus mm-hmm. is like, you know, the way that you love the least of someone is the way that you love God, Yeah, right? Like the way that you love that person you hate, the way that you love that thing that you despise, the way mm-hmm. that let's say you're on the left and the way that you love the right, or if you're on mm-hmm. the right, the way that you love the left, or if whatever, whatever your biases is, the thing that you love the least is the ceiling on the amount that you love God and also the ceiling, therefore, on the amount that you love yourself. So like really understanding that if you're going to lift, if you're going to go beyond the known, which is this world of judgment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. separation, it's really the known is separation because that's what the ego does. The yeah. ego separates us from from the all. But the rate limiting factor on how much we can access that is divine, how much we can rise to the upper room is how much we can see everything in that kind of equal plane. Mm-hmm. I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, they talk a lot about forgiveness and what you damn damns you back, and it's really that simple. You know, I, I, I was channeling recently, it was a live stream, and the guides pretty much said, well, if you really want this, you have to forgive everybody. You have to forgive everything. And I'm going, ah, crap, you know, because I, none of this stuff is convenient to my personality and the way I would like things to to be, you know, but I do understand that if I want that, if I want the judgment, if I want to 
to make one human being higher than the next, you know, which is what the small self does, I'm actually claiming myself in that level of, of limitation. Yeah. You know, I, I, I pay for it. Yeah. I can be as angry as I want, but I'm going, I'm finally the one that's going to pay for it. Yeah, there's so many true what you know true stories throughout. Jordan Peterson uses that word a lot, like true stories. And mm -hmm. so the story of Aladdin is a true story. Mm -hmm. And in that story, they talk about the diamond in the rough, right? Uh -huh. He's a, Aladdin is a street beggar who's mm -hmm. out thieving and whatever. But the diamond is who he is inside. And when he tries to put the diamond externally, but it's not true, then he actually loses the internal diamond, That's and it. and Jasmine falls out of love with him. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Because he didn't trust that the diamond that he really had was what was really the powerful thing. And that's his yeah. divinity. That's the mm -hmm. recognition of that. And I think that's that's why that's a true story, right? So mm -hmm. I don't, it's funny how these stories persist, but they're actually accessing, no one would think of Aladdin as a deep spiritual text, mm -hmm. you know, or a deep spiritual message. But so many of these things are because they're reminding us of truths that we can inconveniently, mm -hmm. you know, set aside or conveniently set aside, depending mm -hmm. on what we want to, how we want to look at it mm -hmm. but the truth is that you know that is the way that we all should see everybody is like oh okay well that that thing is in transformation and if we see and that's another great thing that the guides always talk about like seeing them as the one that's are as they truly are the one yeah. that's already transformed maybe it won't happen this life maybe it'll happen in a yeah. dozen more, but mm -hmm. you see them already as mm -hmm. that, and that helps to lift them yeah. and simultaneously lift you mm -hmm. because you're not putting them in in that in that judgment either. And that's mm -hmm. the that's the real love story. Mm -hmm. the real love story is loving someone in spite of everything that's annoying you about yeah. them. That's true. I mean, the guides use these things; they call them claims of truth and their attunements. And you know, I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. The guides say, you know, what is true is always true. And when you're claiming that for someone, you're speaking to the aspect of them, the divine self, the monad, the, there's lots of names for it. They call it the eternal self. Sometimes they call it the Christ. I mean, they use these terms to mean one thing, the aspect of the creator that is present as us. And that aspect of self always knows who he is and what he is and how he expresses, which is how he serves. So they say when it's, you know, what is true is always true. When you claim that for another, you're aligning them to what is always true, perhaps beyond what they have believed themselves to be. Yeah. And you're actually lifting them in agreement to that. When the guides use the attunements, um, most people can feel them. You can feel the energy begin to shift as you work with them. They're, they're fairly palpable, which I'm appreciative of because that allows people to have their own knowing of the claims. You know, mm. if you can feel the energy of it, there's something happening. You know, you, it's easier to, to move into an agreement with them. But I do believe that what they're really saying is, is that who we are in spite of ourselves and in spite of how we see ourselves and others is far greater than we've been taught. You know, yeah. and it's not one of these teachings like people like to run, run around saying, well, I'm God, and he's saying, I'm God, and the guides are saying, well, you know, you are of God. You could, because you can't be separate from it, because mm. nothing can be. So it's not a teaching of, of the deification of the ego. My small self, you know, my personality self, when, you know, I say, well, I know who I am, I can have a whole list of, 
criteria. You know, I'm in my 50s, you know, I do this weird work, you know, I used to be a college teacher, all these kinds of things. I can frame myself through all of those things, but those are temporary ways of being known. And when they say what is true is always true, they're speaking to that aspect of you that is eternal, but is always true. And that's what you're realizing through. It's that aspect of yourself, actually, that's able to lift things to the upper room, not the personality who wants things as he thinks he should, you know, should have them. Yeah. Well, I have a I have an interesting question, and if the guides wanted to come mm-hmm. in and, and answer it. So you mentioned the diamond, and uh-huh. you actually talk, I think you write about it in this book. It could be the last one. I'm pretty sure it's this book, but that when you're actually seeing in truth, you see the diamond as a beautiful thing rod of the earth, mm-hmm. but you know that it's not separate from a rock. Mm-hmm. But inherently, there's going to be a preference towards the beauty of the diamond. Mm-hmm. Like it, And it's there's going to be a preference to the meal that just tickles the taste buds in a certain way and the diamond mm-hmm. reflects, refracts the light mm-hmm. in a certain way that your eyeballs mm-hmm. perceive it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is, is when you lift yourself mm-hmm. and see through the eyes of the divine, mm-hmm. are you, are you, is the invitation to transcend the preference of looking at the diamond or transcend the enjoyment of this particular food because it seems like that might be an impossible task. I don't know that it is. I mean, I can ask, but I, I will say, because they've talked about things like this, you know, they say that the, you know, the, the guy, you know, with all the money, you know, in the world and, and the, uh, you know, the guy living on the street are both learning lessons of abundance in very different ways. And that we're the ones who make one higher or better than the other. In fact, there are different ways to learn mm. and different ways to experience. And um, I mean, I'll ask about preference, you know, at this level. I mean, you know, my understanding is we have preference, but much of what we prefer, I do have to say, is what we've been taught to desire. No doubt there's a lot of conditioning. Diamonds are forever. You yeah. give a diamond and it also has a monetary value. Mm-hmm. And, but aesthetically, when you like mm-hmm. go by that Tiffany's fucking window and you Mm. see those things sparkling it is somewhat mesmerizing just like the view of a waterfall versus the view of a hill or the the taste of that particularly well-prepared meal of the cultivated foraged foods and Mm -hmm. the grass-fed beef or whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is that Mm -hmm. lights that lights you up it feels like there's a hardwired preference that goes with the body itself that i I think i'm curious about it um when i used to teach playwriting you know which was a hundred years ago Really not that long ago, but it feels like a hundred <laughs> years ago. Um, you know, and I used to to teach the idea of, um, I don't know, I don't remember what it was, imagery, you know, whatever it was. We'd use the example sometimes, you know, if you if you pass Tiffany's window, you know, they put one thing in the window and, and it's highlighted <laughs> and they're showing you its value by separating it from everything else. You could put the same rock in, you know, a five and ten and nobody would give it any any notice. You see, it's it's how we've been somehow trained to see value. If I told you the the thing that you thought was a diamond was a piece of plastic, and you'd been you'd been confused or deceived, would it still be beautiful? Would it still have the value that you'd given it? 
beyond the monetary equation and be, I mean, you thought, oh, it was the most beautiful diamond in the world. Now it's a piece of crap. It was really plastic. <laughs> but this is my stuff. So I'm gonna go to the guides okay. about preference. And I just should say, if people haven't heard me channel, I whisper the words as they come and then repeat them. And people you know, hear things twice and it's a mess, but that's just how, <laughs> how it comes out. So we'll see if I can get anything we'd like to answer. They're saying, we would like to answer this. You're speaking to preferences born in history. You're speaking to preferences born in history and even the idea of beauty. And even the idea of beauty as you ascribe beauty as you ascribe beauty has a template based in history, has a template based in history. Are you less beautiful? Are you less beautiful when you are old, when you are old? Are you less desirable? Are you less desirable when you are not fit, when you are not fit? Perhaps you may be by the collective. Perhaps you may be by the collective aspersions. Aspersions one would cast, one would cast on those who are not as you, on those who are not as you. But you're experiencing life, but you're experiencing life through a shared field, through a shared field and the mandates of history and the mandates of history, your collective history, your collective history are what are directing you, are what are directing you to give value to anything, to give value to anything. Everything is an equation here. Everything is an equation here. The young woman, the young woman who has not had a meal in four days, who has not had a meal in four days will find the cracker wonderful, will find the cracker wonderful and valuable and valuable. It will sustain her. It will sustain her. The man who dines well, the man who dines well on all occasions, on all occasions may have a preference, may have a preference. It is not born in economy. It is not born in economy. It is born in wealth. It is born in wealth. And what he believes has value and what he believes has value because he can acquire and experience it, because he can acquire it and experience it. In fact, both meals are valuable. In fact, both meals are valuable. The cracker has more value, but the cracker has more value to the one who is starving, to the one who is starving. And if you want understand this. And if you understand this, you can also understand, you can also understand that what you value, that what you value and consequently what you prefer, and consequently what you prefer is what you have been taught, is what you have been taught has greater value, has greater value. The template of history, the template of history actually is a way to know yourself, is actually a way to know yourself, but it need not define you, but it need not define you. You may prefer blondes to brunettes, you may prefer blondes to brunettes, women to men, women to men. You may prefer apartment on a high floor. You may prefer an apartment on a high floor or a low one perhaps, or a low one perhaps. You are the one that makes one better than You are the one that makes one better than the other than the other. You only do that. You only do that. And much of that is confirmation. And much of that is a confirmation what you think you should have to what you think you should have and what it means to experience them and what it means to experience them. If we were to tell you, if we were to tell you that the meal you're eating, that the meal you are eating is the most valuable meal in the world, is the most valuable meal in the world, in the world, you would give it value, you would give it value. If it's what somebody sent back to the kitchen, if, you, if we said it's what somebody else sent back to the kitchen, you wouldn't want it at all. You wouldn't want it at all, period. And they're saying period. I hope you all are enjoying this podcast as much as I did. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Alatura Naturals, the skincare company that sent me that package of skincare that helped my face when I got in that car wreck. And there's one of their products that I've been using that I was kind of sleeping on, and it's their beard oil called Santal Black. It smells fucking awesome. It's got Australian sandalwood, Madagascar vanilla, black pepper. I don't know. It just smells like all the right things. Like most of the beard oil smells like all the same shit. You know, it's like, it reminds me of giving Tate Fletcher a big old hug. And I love Tate Fletcher, but I like my beard oil to have a little distinct smell and flavor to it. So I put this all over my face. It has 
obviously nothing but the best ingredients, no preservatives, toxins, none of the crap that you find in the rest of these skincare lines. It's literally the best thing you can put on your face and it smells great. So check it out, alaturanaturals.com slash Aubrey. You'll be able to save 20% with the code Aubrey. And thanks so much. Thank you for supporting myself and the podcast sponsors. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. One more time, that's alaturanaturals.com slash Aubrey. That brings up a couple things for me. Right. One is when I was in Africa and I was uh, working in some of the slums and uh, the Soweto slums and the, mm -hmm. the different areas, I watched kids and they were playing with the soccer ball yeah. and they'd kicked all the treads off the soccer ball. So all mm -hmm. it was, was the inner bladder with the mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And that ball was their treasure. Yeah. And they, they played with that thing with so much unbridled joy. Mm -hmm. You know, you give that soccer ball to a kid here and they're like, what is this? Doesn't even have any yeah. fucking treads on it. Like mm -hmm. this is bullshit, mm -hmm. you know? But from their perspective, they saw that as that same thing. And the only way that I think most of us here in the West can access that, glimpse of truth is through the use in my experience through in, in talking with a lot of the people that i know is through the use of psychedelic medicine where on you know some psilocybin or perhaps some wachuma some san pedro cactus mm -hmm. i mean i remember in the san pedro you look at the clouds and you can be mesmerized by the clouds for mm -hmm. hours mm -hmm. and they're the mm -hmm. most beautiful things you've ever seen you look at the sand and the sand is waving and forming these fractal patterns mm -hmm. and the sand is as beautiful as any painting that you've ever seen in the louvre mm -hmm. at that point mm -hmm. or in all of these different experiences so i guess then my question would be are psychedelics a productive way to see through for some mm -hmm. to see through the eyes of the divine well, I'm going to let them say they're saying yes and no. They can be catalytic. They can be catalytic to this, but you cannot rest upon them. But you cannot rest upon them to rest upon them. To rest upon them as necessary is to need an intermediary, an intermediary, an intercessor, an intercessor for this experience, for this experience. Finally, the experience. Finally, finally the experience of the divine is gifted to you, is gifted to you by the divine, by the divine as you attend to it, as you attend to it. You may use something to kickstart a motor. You may use something to kickstart a motor, but you must become reliant, but you must become reliant on the inner divine, on the inner divine order manifest in order to manifest. You have experience of something. You have experience of something in the higher floor, in the higher floor, in the higher octave, in the higher octave, unless it's integrated, but unless it is integrated into the manifest experience, into the manifest experience, the day-to-day, -day, the day-to-day -day it has been left, it has been left in the upper floor, in the upper floor, and not carried back downstairs. And not carried back downstairs. We don't dismiss psychedelic drugs. We don't dismiss psychedelic drugs, nor do we endorse them, nor do we endorse them. We support you each in your own choices. We support you each in your own choices, but to become reliant upon anything, but to become reliant upon anything denies the power of the innate divine, denies the power of the innate divine, which is instilled in you, which is instilled in you and of you and of you and can be denied and can be denied when you make a god of a substance when you make a god of a substance, period, 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 missing, period. Yeah, I think that's very, that's very wise. And I think it's, if you follow the path of someone like Ramdas, for example, who was very psychedelically influenced, which mm -hmm. gave him the glimpse, mm -hmm. then that gave him the glimpse, that kind of proof of concept, yeah. that idea like, 
oh, wait, I can see this. Mm -hmm. I can see everybody as the same being, Mm -hmm. all infinite facets of that same diamond. Mm -hmm. I can see everything as infinitely beautiful. I can, you know, drink the air itself with radical gratitude. And Mm -hmm. then he spent his life being able to cultivate that without the use of anything other than, Mm -hmm. you know, fresh air, sunlight, water, and Mm -hmm. smiles and laughters of his friend, you know? And I think... I think that's I think for a lot of us the the place that we're in is trying to figure out how to take that lesson that we learned mm-hmm. once we kick started the engine how do we take that lesson that we learned and apply that and apply that without the use of the substance because I think that's the goal for everybody we don't want to be have to take mushrooms yeah. all the time to feel that way I'd love to feel that way all the fucking time I'd love to ski every mountain like I skied when I was on you know a couple a gram of psilocybin like mm-hmm. if I could do that man this would be fun mm-hmm but yeah i don't know i don't know what the answer is i mean the idea that all things are of god or whatever you want to call god whatever name you want to use for it seems to be something that one can move into an experience of through the work that the guides bring you know i did a a retreat maybe it was a year ago and it's quite possible it was in the book that you that you wrote the forward to i believe this was part of that teaching um, and at, at, at a certain point, after doing energy work, the guide sent everybody outside, and everybody was basically tripping. You know, <laughs> I mean, they were watching. You know, the leaves, you know, float off the trees and stuff. I didn't have those experiences. I actually don't. I've had more energetic experiences, mm-hmm. probably, than many people, because I've been working with it. And but do I believe or think of myself as a realized being? Absolutely not. I have work ahead of me still. Um, and people come to the workshops, you know, often say that they're having an experience with the energy that's comparable to what they've experienced in ceremonies. And I find that really interesting. And I find it supportive of the idea of what happens in a ceremony because that's been not been my path and what the guides are doing. The fact that there is a comparable experience of moving into infinity or realizing others, you know, through the eyes of the divine, which is how they teach it, which actually transforms what you see. You know, my path, which was my own, you know, I was a a hard partying kid, you know, back in the 80s. Shout out to all the hard partying kids out there. yeah, I was. (laughs) We all make it through. We make it through. Well, most of us do, so be careful. Don't be mindful. Don't be crazy. You know, my whole opening happened, you know, when I was, I was... I was a year out of Yale, you know, I was, I was, you know, beginning this sort of hot career. I was an interview magazine. I was, you know, this, this sort of public shiny being, um, who was a real train wreck truthfully. Mm -hmm. And finally one night I was working on an opera in St. Paul, Minnesota, the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge with this giant gopher spinning out the window. And I didn't know where the drugs were in St. Paul and I was freaking out. And, (laughs) and I, I, you know, the Gideons left a damn Bible in the drawer. You know, I was raised an atheist, but I took the thing out and it said, you know, prayer for people in crisis. And I didn't know what the crisis was. I didn't have a name for it, but I knew I was in something. And I also knew that what had been hard or wrong in my life by my own, you know, description wasn't getting better. And at that moment I said that thing and three days later, and I meant it and I didn't believe in anything, you know, but I was willing in that moment to mean it. And three days later, I actually heard a voice telling me to get my act together, which was the first clairaudient experience I had. So my own experience has actually, and my psychic abilities kicked in 
when everything was out of my system. And I'm fascinated by by plant medicine and all of these things, but I'm I'm sort of cautious for myself, not because I think that that's addictive, because I know it's not, but because it's a door that has been somewhat closed that allowed this other door to sure. open for me. And I also don't even know how I'm wired at this point to do this weird stuff. Right. Yeah, well, the frequency, the radio frequency is so dialed in and so yeah. tuned in. And, you know, we talked <laughs> we talked yesterday and you said, you know, I'm always ready for that inconsistent message to come in because yeah. then I can just move to Florida. And if you, if that yeah. happens, you move to Florida, then, you know, I'll bring Done. the mushrooms. Yeah, We're yeah, yeah. Fun. Well, exactly. We're having fun in your apartment in Florida. That sounds We're going. Good. So you let me know if, if somehow that frequency gets a little too much distortion in it, because it clearly isn't, because I've read everything you've done and it's all been impeccable and that's what's drawn me to you i yeah. was a i was a channeling skeptic i'm still yeah. a channeling skeptic except when it's you because everything i've read has it has the resonance of truth and so it becomes undeniable and so when that is undeniable and you have the ears to hear truth and it's tuned into that then you have to accept the phenomenon and you, there's just no more questioning that goes on but i think obviously all things are fallible all things are in transition the yeah. frequency could get a little mucked up in the dials and and whatever, but you, you just know that if that happens, Paul, I'm meeting you in Florida and we got a All bag right. of mushrooms and we're gonna get weird. That sounds good to me, <laughs> you know? And strangely enough, I mean, there's a part of me that thinks I might personally benefit, you know, mm -hmm. through some of those experiences. And I, I haven't said never, but I do know right now that, you know, this seems to be my work and this seems to be how I'm no working with. And when I ask the guides, would this be a good thing to do? They kind of say, well, not wise. Yeah. You know, they'd also tell me, if I say I wanted to walk into traffic, would this be, they'd say, not wise. You know, they, I have free will, and they don't take that away. And um, I'm excited that so many people seem to be opening up to the potential for a spiritual life, whatever that looks like to them, whatever they want to call it, through these things, you know. It's one way. It's a catalyst. It's a door that you can go through, and that's what the guides have said. They it don't... gives you a glimpse across the river. Oh, well, it and, does, and, and, it, and that gives you the courage. At least for me, it's given me the courage to go keep going through some of this really choppy water. It's like, oh no, no, I feel what that feels like, yeah. and I've met a few embodied people who look like they live on the other yeah. side of the riverbank, and I'm like. That living on the other side of the riverbank, yeah, that sounds fucking great. Yeah. Beyond the known sounds amazing. See, I had an experience when I was twenty-five. You know, a few days after, and a few, a few months after my sort of hotel experience, and it was this harmonic convergence that I heard was happening. I heard people were going to be waking up, and I went up to the roof of my building with a crystal and a mantra. Somebody gave me one of each, and I thought, you know, you needed those things to wake up. But I said it, and I had an experience of energy moving through my body, and for me that was catalytic. Like I needed something for myself that was palpable, that could allow me to go yeah. on this very unlikely journey. I mean, I had, you know, platinum blonde Billy Idol hair and, you know, I was a four pack a day smoker and, you know, I was a, not anything, you know, it was crazy times. But I knew once you have your own experience of source in any way, shape or form, it's pretty impossible to deny it. Yeah. And I needed that. And I had a few of them early on, which kept me going. You know, I asked, and I, I just, you know, I just started telling this story. I didn't, I never used to want to talk about it. I was studying with a teacher, you know, an energy healer who's no longer living um, in my early 30s. And one night she said, you know, ask for one thing and you're going to get it. She asked, I said, the whole class, ask for this one thing, you're going to get it, write it down 
And I did, you know, and I believed in her, so I think I believed in the prayer and that it might work, but yeah. whatever it was. But what I asked was, because I'd had these experiences like you're describing, and I said, well, I want to go all the way with this. Woo! I know. That's a big ask, Paul. I know it was a freaking big ask. That's a big ask. And I think I've been paying for it ever <laughs> since, <laughs> to be honest one. with you. But I didn't know anybody. It was, it was innocent. It was an innocent ask. It was like going up to the roof asking to be woken up, whatever that means. And what I feel has happened sometimes is that the books are a way for people to do that. No doubt. That's the whole point of the books. And I didn't know I was signing up for any of this stuff, you know? It's really not... If anybody told me that I would be sitting here with you and doing these workshops and channeling, I think they would have been absolutely nuts. But it's what's happened. And maybe I'm here to do this for others. Maybe it doesn't come to me fully in this life. I'm glad when I hear stories from people about how they're helped yeah. by the work and how they see the world differently and they're opening up psychically and energetically. And I think that's all great. But finally, the point of it has to be our own way of being in the world and with one another, you know? I mean, finally, this has to be practical in order for it to be helpful. I don't care anymore about theory. I really don't. People can say anything. If you can't experience it, yeah. If it's not possible to experience, I don't necessarily know the benefit beyond, you know, extending the intellect, you know, and, and yeah, the you potentials. Yeah, you want gnosis. You want knowing. Absolutely. You, want to know, you don't want to know what an apple is. You want to taste it. You want to eat it. And that's the teaching of yeah. the guides. That's yeah. it. It's mysticism. I have, before we put the topic of psychedelics to rest, uh -huh. I have an interesting question that is something that is somewhat debated amongst the psychedelic community. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, I've had a, I had a, uh, a shaman, Maestro Hamilton, who described the ayahuasca and psilocybin as entities so entities so advanced that for them to manifest in human form wouldn't really make sense. They were entities here, teachers, that the best and most reasonable way they could manifest was in actual plant form because mm -hmm. of the stability. Humans are very, mm -hmm, we're mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm, all over the mm -hmm. place. So when you know guides obviously in the realm of the entities you know what would they say about you know because it feels like and oftentimes you will talk to mother ayahuasca or mm -hmm, i've mm -hmm. had conversations with what mm -hmm, felt like mm -hmm, mushrooms mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so are these you know from the guides purview are these entities that are manifesting in non-human forms i hear earth spirit mm. that's what i hear you know they don't comment on other people's teachings i mean i don't either you know it's an it's sort of an ethical thing earth spirit i hear earth spirit manifest in form manifest in form with a purpose with the purpose the conscious i hear the consciousness is high i hear the potential for misuse is high also and that's mm. to be cautioned and that's to be cautioned the stability of the conscious the stability of the consciousness that's being expanded that's being expanded must be attended to must be attended to and that happens in human form and that happens in human form if you can't care for each other if you can't care for each other through the process through the process of expansion many cannot hold the energy many cannot hold the energy that they have imbibed that they have imbibed and are now experiencing and are now experiencing when you can't explore when you can't explore in a safe way in a 
safe way can become fragmentary. It can become fragmentary to the to the, the individual. The individual, and that is carefully said, and that is carefully said. We are speaking carefully through Paul. We are speaking carefully through Paul. Embodiment must embodiment must inquire or require inquire inquire the whole being the whole being as of source as of source. When you fragment the self, when you fragment the self, and aspects of the self are confused and aspects of the self are confused you must attend to them you must attend to them through integration through integration integration mm-hmm. is the key integration is the key without that it's pointless to journey without that it is pointless to journey you may say this they're saying you may say this you know i read for people and i read for many people and this is part of their path and some of them show up and they're really clear and they're really grounded and they're really in the world. And once in a while I tune into somebody and I'm just, you know, cause there's sort of consistent symbols that I get, you know, like yeah. I, when I feel it in one person and another, I have the symbol and I, and I tune into some people and they're flying out there still. They're just not in their bodies. Yeah. The purpose is come back, yeah. come back and have the full experience here. I mean, it's wonderful to be out. You know, I did energy work for years when I was young because I was getting high from it and I wanted to mm. stay high. And then I found out it really had to happen here, here and now in this, you know, it doesn't exclude that. That's part of the whole thing. Yeah. I think that the reframing of it is earth spirits. That's like really, that to me, I like the idea. I was intellectually fascinated by the idea of these being astral spirits that that, that were created here. But but thinking of them as part of the earth, because so many of the messages are about let's take care of the earth itself, and like let's like think of them as part of this yeah. great, great collective entity, group yeah. of entities that is the living, breathing earth. Uh-huh. I think is actually a beautiful way to look at it. It could be. I don't know if that's what they meant. I mean, if they're talking about gradations, and they don't. I, I don't. I mean, I understand astral, you know, and I understand that there are levels above it, and there's low astral and high astral, and there are all these things that can be experienced. And I've had my own experiences in the low astral and the high, and they're not. Some are pleasant. Some are, are not that pleasant. But I don't really understand. I'm not a trained medium that's been, or a theosophist that understands the gradations. So when they said plant spirit, I'm I'm wondering what they meant. Connected through the earth. That means it's connecting through the earth. It doesn't mean it's born of the other. It doesn't mean it's born of the earth. Mm. And the consciousness works plants. But the consciousness works with the plants as of the earth, as of the earth for a manifest purpose. For a manifest purpose, everything in nature kingdom, everything in the natural in the natural kingdom, nature kingdom has purpose. Has purpose. Very little of it, you know. Very little of it, you know. You have your experiences of nature. You have your experience of nature. We don't understand how they're woven the fabric, but you don't understand how they're woven into the fabric of the world, of the world, and their true meaning. And their true meaning. Perhaps one day you will. Perhaps one day you will. But you see a tree, and you see the shade. But you see a tree, and you see the shade. You understand the ecosystem. Perhaps you understand. The the ecosystem perhaps or unconsciously but you don't understand the consciousness of the tree which is indeed profound which is indeed profound and you can move into if you wish and you can move into if you wish if you try becoming the tree if you've tried becoming the tree in consciousness in consciousness which most of you are not which most of you have not you'll begin to experience this you will begin to experience this period well that's the tradition of some of the ayahuasquero masters is the oh, really? dieta they diet a plant and i have a, huh. I've experienced this where you actually try to commune with the consciousness of a non-psychoactive plant yeah. and then so you try to bring that you try to bring some kind of 
um, resonance, some type of accord with mm-hmm. that consciousness, with your own consciousness, mm-hmm. to inform your own consciousness with the wisdom of that mm-hmm. of that entity. And I think it's, uh, but it's it's really just beautiful to look at and to know that like what we see, no matter what it is, person, plant, rock, mm-hmm. it's just a fraction of what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like what that thing really is, is as that aspect of God and manifest yeah. is so much more mind-blowing and awe-inspiring and wow-inspiring. I mean, if we walked around like that all day, we would accomplish nothing. You know, So I think the, brain, mm. the brain's ability to limit our view of these things is almost yeah. necessary for us to go on with our day-to-day lives, but to then at least have the, at least to know somewhere that, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll see that tree and I'll let it be mm-hmm. a tree for now, but but really that's some really incredible you know both consciousness and construction and geometry and, mm-hmm. and you know the the way that the minerals have combined and the mm-hmm. carbon is formed and the the impetus of life that is actually coming through like it is really magical to look at and i think mm-hmm. engenders a much greater love for the planet which i think is something that we all really need so that we can mm-hmm. help preserve this planet i, I hear accurate that's what i hear yeah all right, so just let's change gears here because there's mm-hmm. something else that I'm really working with from uh-huh. this that's in the Beyond the Known text. And I'm actually going to read it because it's so important. And this comes from recognizing that so much of my life is looked, looking at what I've done in the past and then also looking forward to what I'm doing in the future. In mm-hmm. the future. And that draws me out of the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of planning and plotting and working mm-hmm. and figuring. Yeah. And, and you had one passage here from the, from the book. It says... Respond to the events of the day in the day they occur. Do not take yesterday's baggage into today or you will find yourself back in yesterday and stay away from tomorrow except to presume it to be what you need in benefit for your growth. Every day becomes an opportunity to know who and what you are and who others are as well. And let this be enough. Do not dwell in the past or predicate your safety upon a certain outline of a future that may or may not come to be. The teaching of the day is the teaching the soul requires tomorrow will present itself in its own perfect way now that living in that faith to be in the present moment and mm-hmm. not be scanning ahead yeah. it goes contrary to what the human mind wants to do which is to not only know the known now but mm-hmm. pro- you know project the known into yeah. the future so that we can navigate a known path mm-hmm. you know and that's i think a core part of the invitation to go beyond the known mm-hmm. is to have the faith mm-hmm. to just walk each step during the day and not try to predict everywhere that we're going. Mm-hmm. Well, the guides have said, you know, knowing is realization. They use the words interchangeably. To realize something is to truly know it, and to know something is to realize it. And they say you can only know anything in the present moment. You can't know it tomorrow, and you didn't know it yesterday. You can only know now. And the now they speak of is the eternal now. It's always now, you know? (laughs) So I don't think this is a new teaching. I mean, I, you know, my my knowledge of the New Testament is, is, is somewhat scant. You know, there are things that I do know and things that I think are profoundly beautiful. And, you know, the teaching of, you know, sufficient unto the day or the evils thereof is a teaching of, being present, you know, and take no thought for tomorrow. I mean, this is old stuff as I understand it. My experience of it is interesting. There's a friend that I, I tell this story sometimes. My friend Brent, um, 
you know, Brent is, uh, God, he's about six foot two and he's a big muscly guy and he has like four strapping sons, you know, and I tuned into him for a mutual friend and I saw Brent walking down a country road at night, looking up at the sky going, you know, what am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? And there was an enormous tree that had fallen across the road. And because he's a strong man, he was able to bend over, pick up the tree, toss it off to the side of the road. And then he went back to, what am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? And he was there to move the damn tree. And in moving the tree that was right in front of him, he also opened the path up for everybody that would walk behind him. But I don't think he even knew it. He was just dealing with what was in front of him. So the lessons of the day, they're the day. I can actually spend most of my time, you know, projecting into the future, into outcomes. And I do, unfortunately, and it's not a happy way to be. And when I'm in the present moment, I have opportunity that I don't have when I'm, you know, fearing what I said yesterday, which is still the outcome of the ramifications of what I said, you know, or, or anything else. So how can I say, I'm going to let the guides address, because it's their book, you know, mm -hmm. we would like to, we would like to, if we're allowed to talk, if we're allowed <laughs> to talk and we have two things to say, and we have two things to say, your idea of tomorrow is an illusion, your idea of tomorrow is an illusion, you're in agreement to an illusion, you're in agreement to an illusion, it's only now, it is only now and will only be now, and will only be now your idea of tomorrow, your idea of tomorrow is not only projection, is not only projection, it's illusion, it is illusion based in historical data, based in historic data, your expectation of tomorrow, your expectation of tomorrow is called from yesterday's news, is called from yesterday's news when you claim tomorrow. And when you claim tomorrow based upon yesterday, based upon yesterday, you lose the current moment, you lose the current moment and the alchemy that is present there and the alchemy that is present there to know God. To know God is to know God now, is to know God now, it is not prepare to know God. It is not to prepare to know God, it's to be in the moment with God, it's to be in the moment with God. If you don't want to be there, if you don't want to be there, you don't have to choose it. You don't have to choose it, but if you wish it, you can have it. But if you wish it, you can have it. You prescribe tomorrow. You prescribe tomorrow based in history, based in history, and you lose the moment you stand in, and you lose the moment you stand in, which is where you know God, which is where you know God. I'm interrupted. Is that one thing or two things? That was the first thing. That was the first thing. So I want to see what the second thing is. You have to stop deciding. You have to stop deciding that the future is where the answers lie, that the future is where the answers lie. It claims you in the future. It claims you in the future, which is not prescribed, which is not prescribed and cannot be known and cannot be known. If you understand that mommy sit in, if you understand the moment you sit in, underline the moment, underline the moment holds all the information you ever need, holds all the information you can ever need. You will no longer be frightened. You will no longer be frightened. The fear that you claim, the fear that you claim in almost all cases, in almost all cases, is born in supposition, is born in supposition, potential outcome, potential outcome, what ifs, what ifs and shoulds and shoulds. Those are abandoned. Those are abandoned in knowing, in knowing, because when you know, because when you know, you are not supposing anything, you are not supposing anything. Do you understand? Do you understand? Yeah, I do. One of the other things they write in this book is <clears throat> the gift of the day is the choice of the day, uh -huh. is the ability to choose in that day. Yeah. And and so I want everybody listening or watching on this podcast now to choose, just choose to smile right now. Just choose to smile, like right now, like really though, but really though, 
like with your heart and with your mouth and with your eyes like choose that and know that that choice to really feel it feel it in your heart feel it spread through feel like that's your choice that's our choice we can choose so many things we have Mm -hmm. free will and whether that's choosing to recognize the challenges that we're going through are the challenges that are necessary to teach us on this path of learning which is really one of our great purposes here is to learn that we can choose to look at things a different way and we can choose we can choose to smile even in the eye of the storm we can choose to believe that everything is happening Mm -hmm. as it should be like we have the ability to do that and i think another one of the great teachings here is you know sometimes these great traumas and i know this is absolutely true for my own life like the great traumas and the great pain they are great teachers yeah. because when we're in those the small self our ego does not have the skills to fix those mm-hmm. so we have to aspire to a different level of consciousness yeah. we have to ask for help from the collective from source from god from mm-hmm. the divine and that was that moment i've told this story so many times that moment where i'm in a new york hotel room at the one of the hardest points of my open relationship journey and i don't know whether i'm going to cry or vomit or need to punch the floor or need to crawl under the bed Mm -hmm. and i can't i just can't navigate it anymore i've cried all the tears i've i can't i don't know what to do so i just sit and i ask god for help Mm -hmm. please please and and help came Mm -hmm. but the lesson of that like i don't know if i would have prayed and that was i don't pray often Mm -hmm. but that was a moment where my only option left was prayer yeah and in that in that was like this great choice and this great teaching of like oh hey man like you this is too much for you cool yeah ask for help you fucking hard ass like ask for help it's okay and there's there's ways that we can let the universe do that for Mm -hmm. us like this was just the universe my relationship caused this and my life caused this and that taught me that Mm -hmm. but there's other like practices that we can do and i think one of the great practices for that is the sweat lodge is mm-hmm. the temascal or the anipi because it reaches a certain point typically of heat and a certain point of like where you just want to get out there where really the only option is is to sing your prayers is mm-hmm. to drum your prayers mm-hmm. and is to change your state to a state mm-hmm. of surrender and gratitude and prayer and communion with spirit because of the heat and the darkness and the pressure and the community that's formed inside the lodge and that so you're creating so it's basically like there's two ways one way is you just let some crazy shit happen Mm -hmm. and then that'll that'll cause you to you know hit that point where you ask really start asking for help or you intentionally put yourself in some challenging situations that you know are ultimately safe and Mm -hmm. beneficial you know most of these lodges unless the lodge master is just going crazy and then it can obviously kill you so you have to be careful but putting yourself in these challenging situations can actually cause you know you can intentionally seek the lessons i actually hear yes and no which which is interesting because it's Mm -hmm. it's not lodges aren't part of my my path yes you are choosing to know yourself in a way yes you are choosing to know yourself in a new way but it becomes a small self but it become if it becomes the small self overcoming overcoming you have a small self you have a small self that thinks it's god that thinks it's god which is not highly beneficial which is not highly beneficial the teaching of surrender is an important one the teaching of surrender is an important one the aspect of self you surrender to the aspect of self you surrender to you can call it god without or within you can call it god without or within or within 
in or anything you wish or anything you wish mm. knows more than you do knows more than you do that must be understood that must be understood that is the basis of humility that is the basis of humility and no one transcends this reality and no one transcends this reality through force of will through force of will but through acquiescence but through acquiescence to his or her innate nature to his or her innate nature which is the divine source which is the divine source to surrender to that to surrender to that i'm going to be taught by my life i am willing to be taught by my life by my experience by my experience by my relationships by my relations with my fellows by this journey itself by this journey itself will call you forth to learn will call you forth to learn in perfect ways in perfect ways you do stub your toe now and then yes you do stub your toe now and then yes that's beneficial as well that's beneficial as well it invites you to see where you're going it invites you to see where you're going to place your feet one after the other to put your feet one before the other before the other but this is indeed a journey but this is indeed a journey don't look for the destination don't look for the destination the lesson comes before it's found the lesson comes before it's found period 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 mm. yeah it's a great it's a great reframe because i can see how the ego could use prayer as the way to like i am the one who can pray so strong yeah. that i can pray my way through this when really the act of that prayer is a surrender to the self that is always safe and is okay and will always be okay the self that yeah. is beyond fear and it actually yeah. goes back to that initial metaphor of crossing the river like yeah. i think i still think of rowing yeah. of rowing and charting these uncharted waters but to actually get beyond the known is just to surrender the, to the self that's already beyond the known mm -hmm. surrender to the self that's already on the other shore when i was in when i was about 30 it's the same period i said i was having a rough time and i sort of you know asked and it was an interesting period when i had a dream that i wasn't like going in this up this mountain this uncharted territory with this cab cranky cab driver in the front and i was complaining the whole way and i like to complain and i was saying get me the fuck out of here and the guy finally pulled over the side he threw me out of the cab and i was wandering around this mountain lost and i finally found a bus station and i realized getting on this bus that there were all these other people that had you know yelled at the cab driver and said i'm not you know i don't trust where you're taking me you know, and then we all got packed in the bus. And in retrospect, I think had I allowed myself to be the passenger a little bit, I would have had an easier time. You know, the meditation that I use before I channel, and I don't, I never, I'm a New Yorker, I never even learned to drive, but I, the meditation is I'm climbing into the backseat of the car mm. and turning the wheel over to the guide. And when I'm, when they're delivering a book or they're teaching a lecture, that's where I go. Sometimes I give myself a magazine to read, so I'm sort of really not intrusive. When I'm doing something like this, I'm turning the wheel over to them when they're speaking, but I sit in the front seat beside them because we can we can go back and forth. It's not as deep a state, but, um, but that's how I do it. So I'm used to the idea of letting go of the gears of that. And I have to say, this area of my life, this strange work that I do, is the one area that's always been surrendered because I never understand. I, I can't, you know, I can't decide for it. It doesn't yeah. work that way. The parts of my life that I'm trying to maneuver with, you know, those those could use some some help. <laughs> but clearly, I still think I'm supposed to fix it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem to be how it works. You know, in a, in a reading that you gave me personally, you 
mentioned that my life was like being on a water slide and uh-huh. for the oh, next yeah. stretch i was going to be on this water slide and if i just fold my arms and mm-hmm. let out a woo you know i'm gonna enjoy it but if i keep holding on and try to hang on to the side to slow the ride i'm gonna just keep banging my elbows on the yeah. fiberglass and getting mm-hmm. splinters you know as i'm moving my way down mm-hmm. and i think that's you know obviously there is some part of our mind that plays the chess of life and that's important but there's that surrender piece of just trusting just having faith that where you're going because it's always been where i've needed to go yeah i've never not you know i've never made an actual wrong turn yeah because everything is given there's always been treasure mm-hmm. at every and that's with mm-hmm. that skill that sharpened eye of awareness everywhere you go you'll find treasure there's treasures mm-hmm. in every cave it's not like the video game where you can go down one way and find a dead end it's not a maze with different traps there's treasures in every yeah. in every corner and every turn if you're aware and so if you just trust that mm-hmm. and allow the allow the the water slide to take you there and mm-hmm. choose your choice then becomes okay how am i going to be on the slide am i going to resist yeah. the slide or am i going to like be an enthusiasm for this ride of life and keep my eyes open and learn along every different way and all the curly cues and twists and the big splashes and and whatever else and will i climb up to the next slide you know mm-hmm. so that's a, i think a really important thing we can all remember is to just have a little more faith that where we're going is delivering us to where we need to go well if i understand that this is school i have an easier time with it yeah. you know if i think i'm supposed to know it already then i'm screwing myself pretty quickly because then i'm not open to learn you know and to be to be carried to the next thing i you know i i don't do this terribly well you know i wish i did i do it much better than i used to you know people i get different when i read for people i get different metaphors for their passage you know or their growth and it can be of a certain time you know the slide that you are on is specific because you're safe on it, even though you don't think you necessarily are. <laughs> Some people get flagstones. You just put one foot in front of the other. It's a nice, easy walk. And some people are going up a steep cliff, yeah. and they're going to make it hard. You know, They're going to use the pickaxe. They're going to go that way. Um, and I think they're all valid at different times. You know, My experience, like yours, was a bit more nuclear. So what do you do when you're dealing with sort of nuclear stuff and, you know, the structure of who you think you are is suddenly sort of blowing itself out? And in my case, I realized, you know, sometimes you got to wait for the wind to stop blowing. You know, you got to wait for the storm to stop and then see what's there. If I had been running around trying to repair everything as the wind was blowing, I would have exhausted myself. I had to let it fall. I had to let some things fall. And then where you are is someplace new, you know, and what was important perhaps is retained and perhaps what is not so important is is released. You know, Mm -hmm. people have different ways of going through this life thing, you know. The upper room stuff that they're teaching, I suspect, is a way to not have to navigate as you and I are discussing, because it's a level of alignment that is about receptivity to your own innate divinity. And if they say, you know, you're, you, that's where you're arriving from, you can, be, you can move into a, a sort of a constant state of reception to source. Yeah. So you're actually in congruence with a higher level of reality and moving beyond the desire for it to be a struggle or to be fearful or to be hard. That construct of that it needs to be a struggle 
in order for it to work. That's something that's taught. Yeah. You know, right? And like even as I've started to work with, you know, manifestation practices, believing, you know, the old teaching, the old mystical teaching, pray as if it has already yeah. been done. So, you know, I'll, I'll create a future reality where like, what well, this thing is is flourishing and i'm you know mm -hmm. and i'll <laughs> i was with i was with you know my teacher maya at the time and she mm -hmm. was she was guiding me through this i kept saying like you know it wasn't easy you know i really had to i really had to to, to work hard to get there but you know you know we made it we made it through and she yeah. says why do you keep saying that it was really hard to get there like you're you can it can be yeah. if you want it to be and i know that your past history like shows you that that's how you get things done yeah. son you put your fucking you make it real hard and you go real hard and it's a real struggle and then and that may be true in a lot of yeah. these things but there's another way to look at it where you're actually enjoying the whole way you know like writing a book isn't an easy thing especially when you're you know you got the guides that are writing a lot of the, the the work for you but even still taking all that dictation everything but but when you're crafting it from and you're using your human faculties in particular fuck it's a grind and you can look at it like a grind or you can look at it like wow that was the i got the joy of yeah. the joy of writing and the and the joy of editing and the joy of mm -hmm. of doing that so it doesn't even though the amount of work is going to be the same you don't have to look at it as hard even though your workout might be hard you can look at it like wow isn't that cool to watch my muscles respond mm -hmm. like that or isn't that you know amazing or maybe you changing your diet or whatever the thing is that you're struggling with oh wow like mm -hmm. isn't that spinach actually delicious when i really tune into the flavor of it or with this relationship you know choosing every day to look at that woman you're with or that man you're with brand new and mm -hmm. take in the full flower of their aroma as a, as in the essence of their being like we have so many ways to choose to reframe all of these different aspects that can take that thing that's hard. Oh, relationships are hard. Oh, diet's hard. Oh, working out's hard. Oh, writing a book's hard. Oh, building this thing is hard. Okay. I mean, it will require you to do things. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Typically, it's not just going to happen magically. But how you do them determines whether it's hard or easy. Yeah. And like, we don't, it doesn't all have to be hard. Mm hmm. And the book that they just finished dictating, which you haven't read yet, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll send it to you, it's hard, i got to say. <laughs> There's a certain point in the book where they said, there is no joy in this part of the process. And I said, I must have misheard. <laughs> they would never say anything like that. And But they were, they were talking about, I mean, there can be joy in it, I suppose. But they're kind of, I think, talking about like the process of sort of breaking out of a a cocoon out of a chrysalis, yeah. you know, and it's messy. You know, birth is beautiful, but, you know, it's been known, people have been known to scream during it. You know, it doesn't necessarily make for an easy passage when we've invested deeply in who we think we should be. Right. And suddenly the mask that we've counted on to get us what we want is hurting and causing pain, you know? Yeah. And that seems to be something that happens as well. But I have to say, you know, it doesn't have to be hard, you know? Suffering, I mean, you know, in all 12-step lands, you know, they people say this, and they say it elsewhere, you know, you know, you know suffering is optional. We're all gonna have pain, you know, in this life. 
you know, that's one of the things that we may encounter, but we don't have to suffer over it, you know, and, you know. In some ways, you know, you, you look at someone like that, the monk, and I forget his name, I used to have his name, but the monk who immolated himself, mm-hmm. lit himself on fire, right? Yeah. So that mastery that he had achieved to be able to transcend the natural, the body's natural response to pain, mm-hmm. obviously we won't be able to ask him, mm-hmm. but my intuition is, is that he had reached a state of, enlightenment if you want to use the word or reach the state of being so in tune with the divine and the actual truth of what the signal of pain was that he didn't respond to the pain of the fire like the way that a normal human being would respond to the pain of fire like he was able to actually through that whole process see the pain feel the pain in Mm -hmm. a different way Mm -hmm. and i think so for everybody burning like putting your finger anywhere near a candle mm-hmm. is going to hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. But like if you actually have made it, you know, through the other side, you can I think that's that that's the power of where you're almost in that supernatural state where you can mm-hmm. transcend even the the signal that's coming and mm-hmm. receive the signal in a different way mm-hmm. that isn't even painful. You know, and I think so during that process though like there's going to be a lot of pain. Like, there's no doubt that monk sitting cross-legged, or however his practice was to get him ready to be able to handle this. Which, you know, part of the meditation is sitting cross-legged when your back hurts and your butt hurts and your legs hurt and your knees feel like they're going to explode and blow out the front of your legs. Like, and then reassimilating that thing and be like, no, I'm okay. This yeah. isn't pain. This is just information that's coming in the body. Mm-hmm. You practice that long enough, and then you actually can take something that for everybody else would be hard and make it not hard mm-hmm. but during that process no doubt it's going to be hard like nobody's going to tell me that that monk came out of the fucking womb and mm-hmm. nothing hurt yeah you know but he got to the place where it didn't hurt mm-hmm. and i think that's that's us on this life like in the along the way lots of stuff is going to really hurt yeah but then we can look back at it and we can go like wow that was kind of beautiful in a way like even even those moments where i was like crushed with jealousy and and all of these feelings like the feeling was so strong that it it had a beauty to it, mm-hmm. you know. And I may never feel that feeling again. So now, while I was in it, I just wanted to get the hell out of it. But now I can look back at it and be like, you know, that was that was kind of cool. I mean, I felt like, well, when else? When else? What other time am I going to feel like I don't know if I'm going to vomit or shit my pants or mm-hmm. cry or mm-hmm. scream or run away? Like that was so strong that that was mm-hmm. like it was interesting. I'm glad mm-hmm. I experienced that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's the that's the invitation that this this work provides. It provides that yes, it during the process as you go from the known to the shores of beyond the yeah. known, and you realize who you are. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff that's uncomfortable, but when you get when you get to that place, you can maybe get to that place of real bliss. I'm counting on it, to be <laughs> honest with you. After all these books, you know, I keep like I keep saying, you know, they're 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 so consistent in their teaching and if i understood where they were going when they started i don't know if i would have agreed because it's a little mind-boggling it is beyond the known what they're speaking to but i can feel the energy of it and i can be in a room with you know a couple hundred people and we're all feeling the energy of it when they're working and um i have to trust it you know at this point um it's not i suspect about outcome as much as it is becoming present now you know i if i if i put the outcome of their teaching in some frame that it's a, I mean, they basically the guides have said you know 
you know, you don't know. It's not the small self that is realized. Yeah. That's not who does it. So you're not going to know it until you're in the experience of it. It's not possible. In order to try to even frame the idea, you're culling your ideas from historical data, what you think it's supposed to be. And it's not going to be what you think, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, I want to give the uh, the guides, if, they're, if they would like, a chance to say any... <sighs> final words to the sure. audience or anybody uh anybody listening or viewing this I'll, I'll go in and see what we can get to we have several things to say the first is to paul the first is to paul about the journey you've been on, about the journey you have been on it is not over yet it is not over yet but the storm has passed but the storm has passed and the residual and the residual affect of it affect of it will be dealt with several months will be dealt with for several months to know god another to know God in another is to know God in all, is to know God in all, to know God in a situation, to know God in a situation, is to know God in all situation, is to know God in all situation. This is for all of you if you wish. This is for all of you if you wish. Know God in one human being. To know God in one human being, in spite of how he or she presents, in spite of how he or she presents, is to know the divine, exists in all, is to know the divine that exists in all. It does not exclude you. It does not exclude you because you can cannot be excluded from God, because you cannot be excluded from God when you choose to exclude yourself, although you may choose to exclude yourself, is still not so. It is still not so, the avenue we teach through. The avenue we teach through, the way of transmission, the way of transmission is confusing for some, is confusing for some when we invite the listener, and we invite the listener to understand only one thing, to only to understand only one thing. We're actually lifting you. We are actually lifting you through this instruction to this instruction for your own preparation, for your own preparation to know who you are, to know who you are. And if we came to you, and if we came to you in a more ordinary way, in a more ordinary way, you would find a way to dismiss it. You would find a way to dismiss it if you wish to say these words after we speak them. If you wish to say these words after we speak them, we will invoke you each. We will invoke you each with the tone, with the tone and vibration, in vibration that the language conceals, that the language conceals the tone that is present. The tone that is present operates within the form, operates within the form, within the field, within the field, within the conscious, within the consciousness that you've already embodied as, that you have already embodied as. And the speaking of the words, and the speaking of the word aligns your broadcast aligns your broadcast to what exists beyond the known, to what exists beyond the known. You may say this if you wish. You may say this if you wish. I know him in truth. I know who I am in truth. I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. 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 I am in the upper room. I am in the upper room. Freedom comes when you know who you are, if you allow yourself to be still. If you allow yourself to be still and be known by God, and be known by God, not seek to know, not seek to know, but be known, but be known, you will allow God, you will allow God to know itself through you, it to know itself through you. You are of the source of all things. You are of the source of all things because you cannot be other, because you cannot be other. Thank you and good night. And they're saying thank you and good night. Beautiful. Well, Paul, 
it's been a, a true pleasure to call you the man, my friend and my brother, and just to be able to spend time and enjoy you as a as a person. And of course, you know, that gratitude also extends to the guides as well, who's informed my life in so many different ways. But in a way, both of you were necessary for this to work. So the gratitude is shared between you and as the vessel and the and the guides themselves, wherever they reside everywhere, I presume, is where they reside in the place beyond. So just so much gratitude for, for you and the guides and, and the unification of that work that's able to come through you. So thank, thank you, you so Aubrey. Much. And, and thank you for writing the introduction to the new book. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was yeah. my pleasure. It was an amazing book. Can't wait to read the, the new one. And that's the second in a, a trilogy, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So here we go with another trilogy. Here we go. <laughs> amazing. And we got some events that are, that are, uh, that are happening. I uh-huh. don't know if this podcast will be out in time for the New York event, but we'll be doing this stuff. Um, you know, at various different points, but people mm-hmm. can get, I really highly recommend the audio versions mm-hmm. of these books because uh-huh. it's you and you know, like you're able to carry the tone and vibration through them. And mm-hmm. even if you're not fully paying attention to every word as you're listening to this, you'll mm-hmm. feel yourself get lifted. Yeah. And then if you really want to get the takeaways and like start to carve the notes and, and really dwell on some of these things, which, you know, will have different meanings for you depending on what time you're reading them in your life. Like I, I told you yesterday, I went through and I read all my notes from Beyond the Known mm-hmm. and different things stood out because yeah. I was ready for different things to stand mm-hmm. out. So honestly, I recommend people get both the audio and the text because you can listen to the audio. Like I, I literally can't wait for the audio yeah. version of this to come out mm-hmm. just so I can play it yeah. and just have it there as I'm kind of drifting off or thinking about things. I just feel my energy lift yeah when i listen to it and then you know of course the text i've had for a while so i have all my notes from that mm-hmm. so i think that's the that's a great way to consume the information and then you also have like students of the guides where you have like weekly yeah wednesday nights i'm channeling every week yeah. pretty much every week i take a wednesday off once in a while um but yeah the guides are lecture they're lecturing they're taking questions the energy i'm told is as palpable online as it is in a, in a live workshop so you know, it's 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 a weekly event. People are welcome. The information's up on my website, which is just my name, Paul yeah. Selling. And you take live questions during I those do. Yep. during those as well. So uh-huh. if people want to jump in there. I'm sure you can't get to every question, but if you, people want to get in there and mm-hmm. um, give the guides a chance to, to answer their questions directly, I encourage mm-hmm. people to do that. So thank you so much, and thank you so much, everybody. It's another amazing show. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in with myself, with Paul Selig, and of course the guides. I'll see some of you in New York, August 18th, paulandaubrey.eventbrite.com. And of course, check out his book, Beyond the Known. And I hope this sparks something within you, helps you navigate your life in a better way. And I'll see you next week.